0: Welcome everyone. My name is Maria Elena Perales, and on behalf of the Sisters of St. Joseph, I thank you for joining us today as we give witness to our in-house brothers and sisters. We ask, as people of faith, how are we called to be nonjudgmental of people who are experiencing homelessness? So, we am very happy to introduce Sister Louise, who will lead today's program.
1: Thank you, Maria Elena, for your direction that you've given to present these important issues during the summer season. With us today is Michelle Vols, who is the Orange County Coordinator in the Ignatian Spirituality Project. She will share that program with us today. Susie Silva has been employed with the Sisters of St. Joseph and will share her story of searching for a home. Our action portion will touch upon acts of compassion. Now we welcome Sister Kathleen McQuiston, social justice committee member who will lead us in our prayer.
0: Prayer for people experiencing homelessness. They are on our streets, on buses and park benches in classrooms and shelters, isolated and invisible, hungry and hurting. Our sisters and brothers, without the security of calling any place home, we know that home is more than walls and a roof. It is warmth in a cold time. It is comfort in difficult times. It is a place where we are seen known and cared for without a home we lose our sense of worth our ability to trust each other our freedom our very souls are weary we feel unloved we feel unworthy we feel shame remind us jesus the liberator of the times that we ourselves have felt homeless and that we all share your calling to welcome the marginalized. Show us, Mary, our mother, what we can do to restore to all who are unhoused their sense of worth, their inner freedom, their humanity and hope, to let them know they are not alone. May all be fed. May all be healed. May all be loved. Amen.
2: Thank you, Sister Kathleen. As um, Louise Ann said, I'm the Orange County Coordinator and Volunteer Coordinator uh, for the Ignatian Spirituality Project, which was begun over 20 years ago in Chicago with two Jesuits, uh, mostly Bill Creed and Bob Steffen. Well, I've been finishing up my Master's of Theology and showing up at the Catholic Worker House weekly listening to the women's stories and I wanted to offer them something more. Well, I found out that someone had already started this project. So Bob Stephan, um was out here and about seven years ago, we started offering overnight spiritual retreats for women and men experiencing homelessness and addiction. Takes a good month of recruiting before other retreats, um, which were twice a year before COVID, we'd invite, Women from the different shelters here in Orange County, and we rely on a bunch of volunteers to drive. We have volunteers making um, prayer shawls, praying for the women, providing their favorite snacks. We take a list of that beforehand. And then spiritual directors from several different spiritual director programs here in Orange County, including the one at the CSJs. The format for every retreat is pretty much the same very welcoming, warm, and loving. And then Quite a few have never been on the retreat before. And then we begin sharing our fears that we have now, our fears we've overcome, and seeing again, remembering again, where God or higher power, whoever we call her, has been working in our lives. In that process, we just remember how we've been loved, our lives, and how we are loved now. and. In the retreat, restoring to the women their sense of their dignity, their sense of self-worth, and they know that they're loved. So we have monthly follow-ups after the retreat. Now, because of Zoom, we provide about an hour or so of spiritual direction. In the very beginning, we had Desiree, who was our witness. And when I met Susie a few months ago to do this, I realized that she knew. Desiree from one of the programs that have been in. I want to introduce Susie. Maybe she'll say a little bit about that and about her work now with the CSJs. From Bethany House, that program that Sister Louise started.
3: Thank you, Michelle. I agree with you. After all these years, you just never forget where you received love. So I'm gonna start off in my younger years. I come from a family of 13. Have six older brothers, four older sisters, and two younger brothers. So my family life as a kid was chaos. It was wild. It was dangerous. It was fun. It was confusing. It was a lot of things. It got pretty bad where they removed me and placed me in a private school for five years till I was eighteen, and in that private school remember entering I loved it it was nice I had three meals a day had my own bedroom had my own bathroom Um, it was strange just for the fact that they were kind they were tender and the first night I was there the house mother wanted to hug me and give me a kiss good night and I pushed her away and I told her no, what are you doing? I wasn't used to that. But I remember it clearly. And I'm 60 now, and that happened years ago. So you never forget where you receive love. I left the school at 19. I had a choice to get emancipated or to go back home. Um, I went back home regardless of how dangerous it was and how crazy it was. I love my brothers and sisters and and I love my mom and dad and I just, that never goes away. So I went back home. Um, Within a month or two, I was wandering the streets. Got kicked out, meeting friends here and there just to get a place to sleep, just wandering and running. Find, trying to find some place to rest my head or just find anything just to get out of myself. But along that running, um, God put good people in my life, people that took the time to ask me what was I doing, um, but I was, I was so confused. I, I didn't have an answer, but it didn't matter. I was having fun, and that's how Susie knew how to have fun, was to hang out in the streets and just do what I want to do. But people just kept on coming to me and just letting me know that they they see me and they're concerned. So I just ran and ran for 10, 15 years. I have a son. He is 29. His foster mom and dad picked him up when he was three days old in the hospital. And I met them and they just embraced me. I did not understand. They just engulfed me with their love and their arms and and they reached out to me and and they (laughs) they said, we love you. They don't even know me until this day, 29 years later. They are still involved in Eric's life, and they are still involved in my life. It had an impact on me, but I didn't know how. I just know it felt strange. It felt strange still. I didn't come from this kind of love. So receiving it just was strange. Not no more, but it was then. And so I I just, even then, after meeting his foster mom and dad and and going through the ups and downs and my son being in foster care, I let them have custody because I still wasn't ready yet and trying to figure out who Susie was. So I kept on hanging out on the streets, living on the streets, being homeless. But sometimes, a lot of times, you just stay up at night. And it doesn't matter if you're, for me, it didn't matter. I just was getting involved in things I shouldn't be getting involved in. And hanging on the streets felt normal. And and that's not good for a lady. But it did. It felt normal. And so... God had to throw something in my path to to make me fall. <laughs> and I did, I got incarcerated, cleared my head, was in fire camp, fighting fires and doing a lot of thinking. Was in there for three years. Uh, I came out, wasn't the same person and didn't have the same thoughts I did. And so I went to a recovery home. Because I knew if I spent one day on the streets, it would just all come back at me again. I knew that. I don't know how I knew it, but I knew it. So I went to a recovery home and got some help and stuff and was there for a while. And then I bumped into an old friend from my past. I like to say it was a good reunion, but it wasn't. I ran for another 15 years. During all this time, you know, I would leave the relationship and go into a shelter, a homeless shelter. Leave the homeless shelter, go back to the relationship. Leave the relationship, go to the homeless shelter. It was back and forth, back and forth. That became my normal. As crazy as it sounds, normal is not crazy when you're living it. It just, it's part of your life but god again <laughs> you know shook me up and shook me around something inside of me changed i don't know what so went to a shelter in santa ana wonderful people there the directors so sweet and i knew i knew that no matter how tough and how much I didn't like like the rules or the policies or even the girls there because girls don't get along a lot of times especially mm-hmm. in the shelter but I, I knew that that would be dumb of me to leave because of that I was there for a reason I was there to get my life together I was there to change me not them it wasn't easy but I stayed and I graduated from that program and I never stopped going back to that program as a volunteer. And I work there now. And then from that program, I went to Bethany, where Sister Louise was the director there. And they just embraced me <laughs> with a lot of love, with nice words, with wisdom, and direction. And it was mandatory to see a therapist. And boy, she helped a lot. I continued to see that therapist for 15 years, even after I left the program, because she helped me figure out my past, and that's what I needed to do, was to figure out my past, because the past kind of creeps up on you. Her, with the help of Sister Louise and Bethany and the other shelter, I was able to return home. And enjoy the company of my mom, my dad, and my brothers and sisters, and my son. It was hard because that wasn't normal for me. And but I did it. And it was well worth it. It was well worth it. Me and my mom have a beautiful, we had a beautiful relationship. She passed away last year, but we got to know each other, we forgave each other. Um, She didn't like me asking questions about why this happened, or why that happened. She would get cranky and say, Susie, don't talk about it. (laughs) And I said, Mama, and I would would ask her about her and her life and her childhood and how she met my dad. It was hard for her. And now I understand that we had a good relationship to the point where a month before her passing, she called me out of nowhere. And she said, My mom doesn't say these words. And she said, Susie, I love you. I said, Mama, Mama. And she said, Susie, you always telling me this. You're the only one that tells me this of the sister that you love me. And, and I never tell you nothing. And so she, just called me to say that. I said, oh, thank you, Mama. And then and then she wanted to hang up. I said, no, no. I said, I want to share good news with you because um, I had just gotten my first apartment. And so I told her I moved, just moved into my apartment. And her response was, I hope you didn't move in with a man. <laughs> and I said, no, Mama, I didn't. I'm by myself. She goes, good. And so that was sweet. That, that's a good memory. I just want to say thank you, thank you ladies, thank you for everything and it all comes down to love. You never forget before you find love.
2: We have time for a bit of reflection. What aspects of Susie's testimony impacted you most? And if you met her in
0: person,
2: what would you say to her?
1: I want to thank you, Susie, for your heart benching story. Thank you. People all over the world suffer the effects of not being able to find a home, an apartment, a shelter, whether it's because of the effects of war, natural disasters that wiped out their home, unemployment that reduce their savings, the costs of health care due to emergency illnesses, and family dysfunction that separates children from parents and leaves them to fend for themselves on the streets. A scary and unknown world. There are ways that we can act in the face of the problem the problem of living without a home. There are simple acts of compassion that can nourish every person feeling excluded from society and marginalized. First of all, a simple act to stop and acknowledge them instead of walking past them. What about smiling? and looking at somebody in the eye, instead of just passing by without looking. What about asking their name? The important thing is that we all have a name, and how wonderful it is to know a person's name when you continue to see them in certain areas. When you know them by name, a relationship can form. You can ask them a little bit more about themselves, just as some of the people asked Susie a little bit more about her distress. I remember meeting Eddie. Many times, as I exited the freeway at the same street every day, I began to know how much he was looking for a job. Then he wasn't there anymore. He would reappear again several weeks later and would tell me about his attempt at work and how they had to let him go because he was the last on the totem pole. He would talk to me about his dog, and he would talk about the different people that he knows on the streets. This was all in a quick freeway exit, I tell you. I would roll down the window and I would have a chance to talk with him, maybe three seconds sometimes, sometimes five seconds, and sometimes we actually had a half a minute. But just seeing him and having that relationship with him was a wonderful experience. I didn't question anything that he said, I made no judgments. And yet, just the acknowledgement of his presence and a quick conversation made him hurry down the line of cars to get to my car so that we could talk. He actually knew my car. (laughs) So we can do a lot to help solve problems of homelessness. We can do it of course by taking part through systemic actions, through government agencies and local cities to make sure that you have contact with your government officials and see how they are advocating the homeless, for the dignity of the person, and also for the legislation that's in front of them that needs action. Yet in all of this, if we don't act out of love for our marginalized brothers and sisters, the problem will never go away. Problem will not go away if we are not with our brothers and sisters out of love. I am reminded so often by a social activist woman, Dorothy Day, who said, the only solution is love. We can't wait for someone else to do it. It's got to be now. Let's be united in love. For the marginalized, who one day will be that image of Susie who was on the street waiting for some love that she didn't even know that it existed or that she could handle it. But the love that came from others continually and perseveringly, like her foster parents, were the solution. It was the love that she remembers. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been moved by what you have witnessed here today. On behalf of the Sisters of St. Joseph, we thank you.